So in the last few episodes, I have mentioned John 3.16 quite a few times. I guess now would be a fine time to tell you that John 3.16 is a proud sponsor of this podcast. Are you in need of everlasting life? Christians have been believing John 3.16 for over 2,000 years, so why not read it today? No, just kidding. There are no sponsors. I joke, but in all seriousness, it's just one of those verses that comes up a lot. I've met even atheists that know what that verse says. It's just everywhere. I'm sure you couldn't even count how many times you've heard it, but do you know the context in which it was said? That's exactly what we will cover today. But first, I want my Bible gum, Bible gum, Bible gum, Bible gum, Bible gum. So now we'll go verse by verse for the first 10 verses. I'll sort of explain and read as I go. However, when I get to verse 11, I'm going to read it straight through to verse 16 and then do some explaining after verse 16. So John 3 verse 1 starts, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So we're introduced to a man by the name of Nicodemus. He's a Pharisee. Now today, Pharisees have a bad rap because they're known for the group that crucified Jesus. Ultimately, they're the ones in the movie screaming, crucify him and rowling up the crowd. They were the religious leaders of the day in the temple. And through history, they've gotten a lot of criticism. Today, people often use the word Pharisee in substitution of the word hypocrite. However, that's really not what it means. After all, Paul was a Pharisee. In their day, they were a group of people that were well-respected. They were the most zealous and passionate people of keeping the law. A modern example would be today, the people that are the cornerstones of churches. Every service, they are there. When you need a volunteer, they're the first ones to raise their hand. If someone is hungry, they split their sandwich in half. Someone needs a ride, they pick them up. They give the most, they clean the most, they volunteer the most. They're the ones that might be entrusted with the keys for the building, they count the money, and they do all the things to help run the church. Now, many times, these people may come across as too zealous, too gung-ho, they're thumping their Bibles, or maybe they're too strict. They always have something to say about short skirts and sagging pants. They might be the deacons or the leaders in the church, and the young people might look at them with resentment because they always have something to say and they take the Bible too literally. Well, in those days, that's who the Pharisees were. Although they meant well, many times their intentions did not come across well, and Nicodemus was one of them. Verse 2, The same came to Jesus by night, and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher. Two things to note here that's kind of funny is that he came to Jesus by night, as if it was some sort of secret mission. Understandably so, being a ruler of the Jews, as verse 1 says, He had to suck up his religious pride to come to Jesus to ask him questions. But what we're going to see in the preceding verses is that most likely Nicodemus had some doubts on the down low. And I say on the down low because many times that term is used to describe someone that's doing something in secrecy. And considering Nicodemus came to him by night and not in broad daylight, most likely he was hiding. Another thing that kind of jumps out to me in verse 2 is when he says, We know that thou art a teacher. Well, who is this we that you're speaking about? You know, a lot of times we will say we to sound like it's more than just us, but there's no inclination that he came with a crowd. I have a feeling that he's saying we to make it sound like it's just not him by himself. He's asking for a friend. Many times today we say we and it's really just us. For example, if I said shoot us a line on Instagram or Twitter and we will get back to you. We who is just me. But whatever, maybe there was more than one and he was asking for a friend. Considering he came to Jesus by night, I don't think that would be the case. Verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And in case you're wondering, verily means truly. So Jesus is basically saying, truly, truly, to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. 
Verse 4, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So clearly he does not understand what Jesus is saying. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So here we go again. Jesus says, Truly, truly. This reminds me a lot in New York when people say, Real talk. They're catching your attention and letting you know what they're saying is true. Jesus continues, That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it come and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. And with no surprise, Nicodemus still does not understand what he is saying. In summary, during verse 5 through 8, Jesus is telling Nicodemus that he had a physical birth, but he needs a spiritual birth. And he lets him know that the spirit is like the wind. Although it is moving and working, it is out of sight. Nicodemus doesn't understand that, though. He answered and said unto him, How can these things be? And in verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Now, when Jesus asked that, all of the religious pride had to go out the door. Today, that'd be like saying, wait, you're the pastor and you don't know this? And I could just imagine all the disciples sitting up, Peter and John and all the guys tapping each other on the shoulder, letting them know, oh, Nicodemus is about to get schooled. And James adding on, Jesus already gave him four verilies. What more does he need? Well, Jesus gives him so much more that I have to read verse 11 through 16 without pausing. He gives him two more verilies and delivers a knockout. Going back to my New York analogy, this is like when a New Yorker says real talk and starts to clap his hands. Everybody in the crowd knows it's about to go down. Little Nicky is about to get his credentials handed to him. So let me start reading. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. At that point, the disciples' mouths probably were wide open. I don't even think they expected that. I'm sure you could hear a pin drop in that room. Jesus' words must have came down like a ton of bricks. But what did he say? Let's break it down. Verse 11 and 12, Jesus is asking him, If he does not believe the simple things of earth, how should he believe the more complex things of heaven? And in verse 13, he is letting him know, If anyone should know the things of heaven, it should be him, the Son of Man, Jesus himself. And verse 14 is a reference to the book of Numbers in the Old Testament, where Israel is delivered when Moses lifts up a serpent. Likewise, Jesus himself will be lifted up, allowing verse 15 to be possible, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. If you're anything like me, after hearing John 3.16 so many times, you probably thought it was an error when I just said that was John 3.15. It's almost the same thing that is repeated in verse 16. That is so important, he actually repeats it twice. The only difference is in verse 16, he gives the reason. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Then the part that says, Whosoever believeth in him 
should not perish but have everlasting life is almost an echo of verse 15. The only difference is he replaces the term eternal life with everlasting life. But based on how this conversation is going, you can see why he repeated himself. Nicodemus just was not understanding. This conversation really continues through verse 21 when Jesus explains why most people won't accept and receive him. But verse 16 is really the mic drop moment. What he says completely blows Nicodemus' mind. And I'm sure anyone else that heard him say this must have been speechless. It's easy to read this passage and laugh at Nicodemus. He is literally standing before the door to heaven, yet he does not understand it. As a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews, I'm sure he did many things. That's like today, there's so many religious people around the world that are feeding the poor and doing so much within their church. But according to Jesus' words, that does not give them everlasting life. A person receives that directly from Jesus when they put their faith in him. If there is nothing else that you truly understand from the Bible, it is imperative that you understand this key fact. So much so, Jesus stated it and rephrased it many times for Nicodemus. The good news is that later in the Bible, Nicodemus is amongst the brethren. Although he was a ruler of the Jews and a religious leader that came to Jesus by night, eventually he understood his words and put his faith in him. So I ask you, has that happened to you? Has a passage in the Bible ever hit you like a ton of bricks, leaving you speechless and forcing you to come to the realization that you need to put your faith into Jesus Christ? Truthfully, or should I say verily, verily, if we're honest with ourselves, eternal life is worth that awkward moment. If you've had that awkward moment, I'd love to hear about it. Send me a message or DM. Although we all like to say we, truthfully, I'll be the one checking it. Also, if you've never had that awkward moment and you have questions as to what it was like, I invite you to send me a message as well. Although there are some pretty funny elements within this passage, it is a very serious topic. I hope my explanation of the verses were very clear and you can fully appreciate what was taking place here. You can find additional information at BibleGum.org or on Twitter and Instagram at BibleGumPodcast. And remember, share your BibleGum with a friend. You can listen and share for free on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or any podcast app. Thanks for listening. Until next time, later.